0: 是啊
1: This is the Persons of Interest podcast, diving into careers, personal stories, life lessons, and more, featuring interviews with interesting people doing interesting things. And now, here's your host, Derek Dockett. Persons of Interest podcast uh, with an episode I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I consider myself a graphic designer to the stars because of relationships, <laughs> and I'm thinking this guy may give me the most freelance work of them all. <laughs> um, you tend to have a project for me, like, at least once a month, I feel.
0: I think in my phone, my wife will say, who are you texting? I'll say D-Bear. It's like, who's D-Bear? I'm like, my graphics guy. What are you working on? I'm like, I don't know. I usually have, well, what happens is I'll have an idea for a segment on radio or podcast, And I'm like, I always want them to like, have their own look or their own logo. And you're the man, you are the man and you, and you create them quickly. And it's just, I love your work, but I, we go way back before I tapped into your graphic, uh, excellence.
1: That is the voice of Mark Kilcoyne, the sports director at the two Fox, as I now call it as well, going back to, uh, the very first sports talk show that I started listening to. You may not know this story, so, in 2004, I think you guys came on the air for the morning grind in the summer of 2004. I started listening in the fall of 2004. Um, I'd never listened to sports talk before that. I just came back. So, this is... And that barely
0: qualified as uh, sports
1: talk, <laughs> I think. True. To be fair. True. Um, sad thing, my, my big brother had just passed away. I was on a leave. And my first day back, I didn't want to listen to music. I was, like, turning the dial. and I'm like... I need something different to listen to in my commute, which wasn't a very long commute, um, but I stumbled on, I don't even know what the conversation was, but I remember Coach Kennedy. I don't know if you remember that story, the guy that would call in high school sports, you guys would humor him, but then when he'd hang up, you'd turn, turn the tails on him, but it was
0: I still don't funny. remember. It's amazing how many historians are out there from the morning grind, and McKernan and Hayes and I am like, when was that? Did we do that? <laughs> that did. name sounds familiar. But was he scolding us to do more high school coverage? A little bit, but he'd always just give his tidbits and you guys would say,
1: what do you got this week? And you're like, all right, that's your update from... (laughs) I love
0: the random callers. I miss that about radio. (laughs) That's when I first started listening and I was hooked. Like it
1: was different and it was what I needed. And I've been hooked ever since on that kind of like conversational talk. Um, And I'm just wondering, like,
0: were you doing like that kind of radio prior to that? So I'd been working at Fox 2 since 97, and in my TV career, I would sit in on shows, FM shows. I worked in Madison, Wisconsin. I had worked in Rhinelander, Flagstaff. Didn't do a lot of radio, but when I did, it, it it seems to me it was always like a morning show that wasn't necessarily sports talk. But in St. Louis, for a little while, Joel Goldberg and I did a show called The Fox Hole. It was yeah. on 1380. And, but that was a, it was a sports show, but Joel and I, we had known each other since Rhinelander, so we would just kind of jack around a little bit, and I'd fill in at 590. And then when the new ownership group came in from Atlanta, Big League Broadcasting, mm-hmm. they interviewed, like, everybody in town. And you would go and have this meeting, and they were tough and cool, as all <laughs> long since discussed. I didn't know these guys at all. And there was a whole group of people, like Kusamana McKernan, who were already working there, So, but they were bringing in, they were looking for new talent whatever you want to call it. And I remember meeting with them because Brian Burwell had talked to him. He had done a lot of TV, radio, everything in the past. And Brian and I were friends and we were doing TV segments together. Okay. So I went in there under the premise, Burwell and I were going to do a show, you know, 10 to noon or noon to two or whatever. And I went in, I said, oh, it'd be great. You know, I've known Brian a long time and he knows everybody and I I have fun with it. So I basically went in on this interview thinking I was going to do a show with Brian Burwell. And I don't remember if it was in that meeting or later and they called and they said, what do you think about mornings? And I'm like, what time? With who?" And I knew Hayes and I knew McKernan, but none of us were like best buddies. It was kind of a arranged marriage. And I'm like, I... I guess. And they did say in the meeting, and I remember it being complimented. They said, everybody that has come in here has trashed everybody else in town. <laughs> they said, everybody sitting in that seat, taught bleep on other oh, yeah. people. And they said, you're the one guy everybody said something good about. And they didn't know me. Okay, So they're just kind of taking notes. Who's in town? Who should we meet? And they all said, and they said, everybody recommended you. So long story short, they said, how about if you guys team up and Then they came up with the name, The Morning Grind, and we said, that is the dumbest name. And they're like, remember, like coffee. You're having coffee, like The Morning Grind, and it's a drive at work, and you're grinding. That was the voice of Evan Crocker, who I really liked. He was the GM. But we all thought it was so stupid. But years later, it was unique. And the name, actually, it just fit. It really did. Yeah,
1: It was uh, a great run that I hated to see come to an end in 2006. I don't need to go into that. I know the background.
0: (laughs) I think. It's been well told, I would say. It has
1: been. I could can, I can pull some of the TMA and some of the other audio clips and insert it in for uh, the benefit of those that may want to know that. But um, I love it. Uh, I still listen to Hayes' show on 590 now. I still listen to TMA. I listen to your stuff with Danny Mac, um, the stuff on 550, not just because I do your designs, but because I'm interested because I love hearing the conversations because they're just not like the straight, you know, you guys have fun with it. Right. And that's what I
0: appreciate. I've never been a guy, and I would tell him in meetings whenever I've been interviewed for jobs, I said, I'm not going to break down the Falcons front seven. Right. You know, I'm not, in stats has taken over sports and fantasy sports. I'd never been that interested in stats. I mean, as a kid, yeah. I memorized the batting averages. I could tell you what Richie Zisk was hitting in Texas. but So I grew up, love of sports, stats is connected to it, but I think now it's so overdone, yeah. and I just lose interest, and it's mind-numbing. I'd rather have some guy sitting here and say, oh, yeah, man, when I was playing in Toledo, I punched out a bartender and I got suspended. I'm like, that's way more interesting than, like, tell me if you're developing a <laughs> curve change ball this year. Like, I just don't care what yeah. any do that. Well, plus for you, you probably do so much of that with
1: your full-time job on TV. Like, you cover the team.
0: But even on TV, I'm not a big stats guy. I've worked with guys who would be live in the field yeah. and they would spit out, hey, the Cardinals have won 10 of their last 11 games on Tuesdays, but overall, they have a winning percentage against the Astros the picture tonight in his latest era and I'm like whoa 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 yeah just give me a sense of hey the team's in the tank or they just had a players only meeting or like just more information than st- yeah. like uh, stats to me is not information that's just it's static and it's right. boring yeah right. to me it's it doesn't make for good
1: audio listening um there's a place for but it's not it's not for me so yeah
0: well, there's a lot of sports radio and to me it's all formula and yeah. it's fine people enjoy it it obviously works But when they, it's, you know, the old joke for TMA and then the morning grind, like got to be better at teasing. (laughs) This idea that you always know what you're going to get into next is so stupid. And you're telling me, it's like how baseball is scripted now with the pitchers. I can't stand that. You don't know in the sixth or seventh inning who should be pitching because you don't know what the first guy is doing. But if you're going to decide at 6 a.m. or at noon, okay, okay, in that third segment, we'll break down the Blues power play. Well, what if something interesting happened? What if Craig Council gets hired by the Cubs? I just the idea that you're going to script a show to me is is stupid. I'm like, and it forces people to say things they're not only dumb; it's almost disingenuous. When we come back, we'll tell you how the Blues will beat the Falcons or the Blues will beat the Blackhawks. Yeah. You know, I was saying, I play in the father, but and I kind of hear and I love Randy Character, but I hear him in my voice because he's good at teasing. But it's usually topics, that I'm sure he doesn't know like. Coming up, we'll tell you why the Cardinals will add a free agent pitcher. I went, well, you don't really know that for right. sure, do you? You know, it's it's just a formula that I can't stand. Yeah. Well,
1: before I move off, the coming career,
0: up, I will <laughs> likely interrupt D Bear. That, oh, that I
1: can promise. <laughs> um, before I move off, morning of guy, I've got to ask, and I I'm always, I'm always curious from your perspective. I've I've listened, like I said, since 2004. But when someone brings up the morning grind, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? To my mind? Yeah.
0: Uh, probably asked Tony because yeah. there's so much Larusa stuff and it became, it, that took on a life of its own also. type of first. Uh, type for all the isms. <laughs> and I still text with him and he still texts with these same Tony isms. Um, I think of that, I mean, it, it was a fun run, you know, for sure. I, I'm amazed how many people felt like a connection to that show and still talk about it. But I guess, I mean, what are you, about 40? I'm 43. Yeah, so people that were like 20, 22, 23, okay. that didn't want to have traditional sports radio, it kind of connected yep. with them. Uh, you know, Had I Stayed, I think that show, and it's done great. It's CMA <laughs> has Stayed. Doug Vaughn is awesome, and he was the perfect guy to come into that show. But I think The Morning Grind would still be going. It would be wildly popular and you know ideally a show like that the mix is going to be news of the day hey the cardinals did win or hey pools hit a walk off home or you're going to talk about that stuff for sure but hey guess who's on the phone it's Edmonds. he's driving to his workout or it's uh, you know mosaic agreed to come oh, yeah. on because everybody listens mm-hmm. or you know I, a show where and i've always liked been on shows where people want to be a guest yeah that's what i and even now what i'm doing at 550 we get the people primarily we want to have on because they trust that it's not going to be run of the mill or that they also trust that I'm I'm not going to take a cheap shot. I mean, I might make a joke about Kachuk's weight or something, but I mean, for the most part, <laughs> it's hopefully enjoyable for them. Yeah. You don't want to have a guest on that's like, oh God, I have to do this. It's, i, I said yes, but I didn't want to. Right. And if I text somebody, hey, you want to do the show? And they're like, eh, maybe next week. And then you text again. They're like, I don't know. And then I'm like, I let it go because you don't want somebody on that right. doesn't want to be on. And I do think uh, where we were at the morning grind at its height, I think people probably wanted to be a guest on that show. Yeah. It was although, fun. although if it got a little risky and poor Larry Plow, the GM <laughs> of the Blues, is really buttoned up. And, okay, guys. Okay. Talk hockey. Talk Kachuk to this day still. It's like, oh, okay, talk hockey, which is a plo ism One of my favorite segments, and this will
1: be my last Morning Grind thing, because I didn't want to make this a Morning Grind retrospective. One of my favorite segments. Because then you'd
0: get sued by Buck
1: Swope, right? <laughs> For copyright infringement. Right. Uh, one of my favorite segments will always be, I had no idea. I don't think you guys, I don't remember you mentioning it on the air, but the next morning you guys started the show, and you just went into this deep blues talk. And it was just blues and rangers tonight. Puff dropped at seven. Yeah. What do you got? That goals against, it was just like <laughs> hardcore sports, yep. hockey talk. And that was just so hilarious because you obviously knew you guys were just making it up. But then you said, hey, we had dinner with Blue's M- Mark execs. Mark Sauer. Yeah. Yep. And they said, talk hockey, guys. Talk hockey. Right. Did. Well, he
0: basically said, and Mark's a fascinating guy, and I need to get him back on the show. He ran the Cardinals. He Damn. ran the Pirates. And then he later ran the Blues. And I, I think I had him on radio or podcast like two years ago. And I was asking about all these difficult decisions because he had to get rid of Barry Bonds in Pittsburgh, and then with the Cardinals, okay. the brewery was involved. And he said, "What, well, Martin? Is this is this one of those interviews where you uh, you you you're talking around the table? You take i a hatchet man? Is that what I am? Like?" And we have fun with it, right? So he was uh, a really well known executive, straightforward, but he said, "I'm going to take you guys to Morton's," and so we yeah. go to dinner, and he brings the PR guy. He said, "You know, you, you guys, uh, it's morning drive, okay? You you should be talking blues, and if he you knows sour, he's very direct." from new york but he's all he's interesting and he's like you, you can't just do grab ass hayes all morning come on hayes you have a respectable job and joke when you kind of do too so you guys why don't you talk to so why he say kind of browbeat us a little bit while serving a steak which is not all that stupid. say so we kind of collectively decided we would like mock it of course and then <laughs> pretend like we were diehard blues guys and then we shifted after what 10 or 15 right. minutes and kind of said hey we had this dinner and we don't really give a shit about the blues or whatever and he texted me because I think he was listening. He said, you guys are assholes. <laughs> I was like, and I, because I think he wanted to see, did it take, right. uh, and t- I still talk to him all the time. He, he's interesting, but he tried and, and people always show oh, the media can be bought. I'm like, you really think like Derek Gould or Bernie Douglas, oh, yeah. that their opinion changes. If they get a free hot dog, right. like a Cardinals game, you guys won't speak out. Cause then you don't get free hot dogs. I'm like, it really doesn't change people's lives if you get free hot dogs, you yeah. know? So I think it was a noble attempt. I don't even think it was to, the Blues were in like a down period yeah, there. It, it was, must have been yeah. after the lock, I can't remember, but they were definitely about to sell or had sold or whatever. And um, I think he was just trying, it was also a measure of respect because he thought we had an audience. So he wanted us to right. play ball and, and we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. So.
1: You teased, You talked about something in your early days, and I work from <laughs> home now. We talked about before I started recording.
0: T-Bear's usually running like 30 miles for lunch. I'm running after we get done okay. here. So how got, many miles are we running today?
1: I'm hoping just to do about, I say hoping, because it's so nice out. Right. I tend to sort of do it based on how I feel. Um, I'm going to try and keep it under sick because oh, okay. I'm wanting to do 13 at some point, either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So oh. I need to lighten the light and miles oh, in the okay. front of the week. So it's because your body,
0: me. you know, you're a lean, mean fight machine. Is your body giving you any pushback on running? No. Because I used to be a runner, believe it or not. And people are like, you did? And I'm like, I, I love it because I like a good sweat. But now I'm like, it's too hard on my body. It is. I need to walk. More. So shoes have been the game changer for me. Um, and varying
1: my distances have been the game changer. So I don't always do three miles. I'll do three, six, four, 10, Okay, you know, that's my, but the shoes have been like the key. Um, and rest days, like I didn't run yesterday. I, re- I didn't run Saturday. I did eight miles on Sunday. So I just, it's, okay. it's not an everyday thing. Okay. Um, I will say since the, uh, half marathon that I did, um, the first weekend of October, My my miles have gone up because I was strictly training. Um, And I think now I sort of got back into I'm going to crank out the miles and I really shouldn't do that. Um, But I feel good. So we'll see. Like I said, I don't have any, I don't have a half marathon. I'm running a turkey trot at Family Arena on Thanksgiving and then uh, a race in December, early December at Forest Park. And that's what I've got on the calendar for the rest of the year. So, okay, you're the you're the person that gives me the most trouble. I think yeah, about no, my writing. Actually, I just no, I'm a, I'm <laughs> jealous is what it is. So, no, it, it's it's you know what I've I've felt as good as I've had felt in a while, and it was more along the lines of at one point, like in 2017, 2018, uh, I played basketball with some buddies, and they said, you know, man, nah, we're getting a little older, and nah, I don't want to, I'm tired, and then we didn't have a place to play. And I'm like, I need something to do. I so I started going to creve core and walking. And then the walking became, I think I can run a mile. And then run a mile became, I think I can get around this whole park in, you know, X amount of time. And then became, I think I could run 30 straight minutes. And that became I think I could do a five K. And five K thirty minutes became my baseline and just took off from there. Well, good so, for you. Yeah. Well you look healthy. Thanks. I appreciate it. So you alluded to something, um, when you're outlining your your uh radio uh, background. Oh my. He's
0: pulling out a found fact disc. I am. And I found this.
1: So I don't know the chronological yeah. of every place you've been. I know you've had stints at House of 590, 1380, 550,
0: you know, everywhere in the place. Right. I, I always used to make fun of, like I said, I don't want my resume to look like ball tarred balls, or a slate. And these guys have all been <laughs> at each station like eight times. They're like, wait a minute. I, I kind of became that guy. The Foxhole. You have a collection, December 07 to March 08. This was my second Foxhole with Maurice Drummond. Correct. And Chris, Chris Pelican, Pelican, who I just saw recently. Oh, my. Foxhole. April. Yes, Fox. These are some CDs of the Foxhole, which was, I love that show because the mayor, Mo Drummond, and I are good buddies. With I, I think he was, was, pro- was there producer. Yes, well... That's that's the loose term for producer. I've told many stories, repeated many stories. Couple of my favorites. Maurice knew Dan Patrick okay. from ESPN. Maurice had been a production assistant years earlier, so we got Dan Patrick on the show, and he's great. He's funny, and we're we're talking and having so much fun. And he finally said, "Do you guys have any commercials? Are you?" And then we're like, "What? No, we actually we don't. We really. I mean, we got a couple, but no, we don't. To keep going." And then Mo and I did a segment. For some reason, we were riffing about Jim Nance and the sacred sod, and thirteen eighty was located on the landing, mm-hmm. and it was above a show-me's, and it always smelled like grease cooking, and there was a Wings. literally a not a porn shop, but like a lingerie, dirty, yeah. uh, racy kind of thing downstairs. Because I remember Dick Ford came on the show, the retired newsman, he said, "You didn't tell me there was a smut shop downstairs." <laughs> so we always kind of made fun of our location, and we were different a Jim Nance bit, and somehow Mo and I got into the sacred side of Laclede's Landing and, you know, turn left at the homeless guy. We did this whole thing. And I thought it was pretty funny, and we go to the break, and I said to Iggy, you clip that off for me. I don't save anything. I, that was fun. I would love to just save that. And he said, mm, Hey, buddy. Yeah, I wasn't recording. I was, uh, I was on the phone. What uh, what happened? I'm like, we just did this hilarious. Series. Yeah, I mean, well, just do it again next segment. I'm like, do it again? What? what do you mean do it again? So, yes, Iggy was the producer of that Fox, the previous Fox with Joel and I, right? Them, which the original thirteen eighty, he was on like the Bolivar yeah, and and in the city, sk- really in the yeah. city, and, and like in an upstairs, the Highway, middle of something. nowhere, yeah. kind of. And it was almost out of a closet. It was it was not fancy. One of my favorite stories, and Joel and I would, I think Mike Martz was on like ten times that spring because I, I was at the time we were pretty close. And I'm like this, there's no station in America that has this access mm-hmm. to an NFL head coach. Right. It probably has like fifty listeners, but at winter warmup that year, the Cardinals had signed Joe Girardi, and I went up to him and I say, hey, "Would you come on the radio show?" And I and, you know, asked for his number, and he said, "Why don't you give me the call-in number and I'll call in?" So I said, "Sure." So I scribble it out, or what? And and I totally forget about it. It's like two months later on the board, it's, it's like callers, you know, uh, Baby O, and uh, who else would call in all? This? And then it said Joe, so we go. Joe, how you doing? He's like, yeah, hey, guys, it's Joe Girardi. I'm like, Joe Girardi. I'm like, really? He's like, well, one of you guys, didn't you give me a card at the warm-up? And I said, oh, my God. I said, you are a man. I said, totally. So we're, like, just taking calls. And Joe Girardi helped me one why? of our nice. random callers. He was, it was a noble act by him. But, yeah, that was the first foxhole. Yeah, well, I wanted to share this because I feel like, oh, the
1: show's post-morning grind <clears throat> You've had many, and <laughs> for some reason, the relationships for you tend to, they, they extend. Specifically, I don't know how or why, and I'm going back to your uh, um, event you had with Mike Marks. That was one you, that sort of evolved over time, even after yeah. you became a coach. You've done these events, and they seem to maintain. Tony Marusa, you've done segments and podcasts with him. Um what do you to maintaining those relationships even after these guys retire from their sport and they keep going and you pull them in to do shows like the, the Tony Talk podcast that you had? I, that was one of my favorites because to hear him open up about things, you know, current, not current, past, whatever it was, was pretty sweet. Like those weren't things you get because Tony's a really interesting guy. We all know as Cardinal fans here and you were able to pull some interesting nuggets out of him.
0: Yeah. I thought those segments and the good thing about it, that's going back. So 2019 was yeah. the first year and everybody was kind of starting the podcast world. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do, I was still doing regular daily radio at five ninety, but I kind of wanted to get into podcasting. And I think the reason is not just because everybody does it. I wanted to go a little longer form. Right. And typically in radio, you got to get to a break. You got to get to traffic. You got to get to weather, commercial break, all of that. And it, it I think as a listener, sometimes it feels disruptive. Yeah. And that's why I do love the current show on 550. It's nightly from six to seven. And when we talked about doing it to kind of kick off their sports night every night, and they said, you could have on, you know, La Russa or Deerdorf or, you know, Lutz, you know, from SCDSC or whatever. And, and I said, if we do this, I said, I think it should sound a little more like a podcast. Yeah. And, and, and so they really have lessened the breaks. And the segments are longer. I think Joe Buck was the first one, because every sports guy, when he gets a new show, you interview Joe first. (laughs) And then the next day, you interview the chairman. I haven't had Joe Buck on my podcast Okay, well, we'll put him on the list. (laughs) And I think we went 30 minutes. And he told these stories about how he was scared going to Monday night. He wasn't sure if it was the right move. And it just opened up, Mm -hmm. which is what you originally talked about. So I love the podcast format. And I'm appreciative at 550 that we're doing that now on a nightly basis, had a guest last Thursday, and I don't want to just do sports. And I say that, and then I look at my lineup, and it's almost always a sports guest, because that's primarily who I know. Yeah. But I'm open to, I want to get somebody from St. Louis City, from the economic development way, because mm-hmm. I have see all these, gee, we always hear, downtown sucks, right? Downtown's terrible. I keep seeing all these buildings going up that are like condos, lofts, apartments. Right. I'm like, something's moving happening. down right. here. There obviously is like a, a younger movement younger than me and you that are interested in being, Top Golf wouldn't be building that right. thing if the people weren't going. So I'm fascinated by that. So I want to find somebody from the city. But I had a guest last week, a, a, a publicist, PR lady, Jane Higgins. I've known her for years. She said, I got this guy. I want him on your show because you'll do a good job with him. And his name is Fizzle. And I said, any relation to the Dizzle? <laughs> <D-?"> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with Fizzle. He's a Christian rapper. Okay, I'm not familiar with Christian rap. Uh, his, his name is Travis Tyler, but for many years he was fizzled. So he comes on the show. I literally met him walking in the studio and we record the show during the day. Ideally they're in person like this. It's better. But if they have to be over the phone, you do it. Typically the phone, you don't go as long cause it's not as yeah. personal. So he comes in and he couldn't be more interesting. He's talking about growing up in the city of St. Louis, selling drugs when he was 12. Wow. And that's how he survived. And when you open the fridge, there's nothing but cockroaches. And he goes, I needed money. And, you know, but his story, it's like when we watched The Wire and you saw these kids Mm -hmm. hustling drugs when they were like eight, nine, 10. And he told me, he goes, that's what it was like. Wow. And, And this is in our backyard. And he tells how he got out by doing Christian rap. And now he's trying to get to kids. He said, you can't, when they're 15 and they've got a gun in their car jacket, he said, it's too late. So I'm trying to get them when they're 9, 10, 11 and get them on the right path. Fascinating guy. Nothing to do with sports. Although I found out later he and Wainwright had connected, so. which I, had, if I'd known would have been a fascinating topic. But people had texted in the show that night and said, we don't take texts because it's recorded. It's right. not interactive. I said, this guy's unbelievable. Who is this guy? And then the next day on mcgraw Millhaven show, a caller called in and said, I don't know who, if you guys all heard this, you got to find out more about this guy. So it had a life of its own, but it was because it was interesting and conversational. Now with LaRusse, and so that's the whole interest Mm -hmm. in podcasting, Mm -hmm. interest in that format. And I think that's why people are so taken by it and why so many podcasts are successful. People just want to hear conversation. Uh, So when LaRusse and I did it, yeah, we were at a good point when he retired. There were times he was not, he wasn't my, he wasn't, I would say we weren't warm and fuzzy. Okay. Same with Mike Barnes. Uh, When he, by the time he got fired, we were not on good terms. And actually that stems from really my morning grind work because we got real sarcastic yeah. and we got, and I, and I learned a lesson there because he and I had become friendly. My wife and I, when we were dating, I think our first official date was at his house at a party. And I was like, oh, she'll be so impressed. I go, we're going to a party at Mike Mart's. And she said, no, who's that? <laughs> I said, he's the head coach of the Rams. And she didn't say, no, who are they? But she's not a sports fan. So we go to this party, middle of the summer in 2003. And we walk in and I said, holy crap. I go, that's Stan Musial playing the harmonica. She said, Stan Musial, I've heard of him. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. So we had gotten close and I I crossed the line by being too sarcastic too rude and i feel i do feel bad about that i've told him that but now he lives here he moved back after all these years he's got kids here uh grandkids here too and uh so we did the event jane it was so much fun it was and we wanted it to be this intimate setting where he told stories no microphone it was it was perfect um tony we've he's always kind of respected my sarcasm and jokes and since he retired he'll come on the show every once in a while and i, I think recently a good measure of respect he came on the radio Is the first time he talked about his cancer you know, he does he doesn't say specifically what he had but he had just been cleared after a year of chemo and on the show he said yes yeah, i decided you know can either feel sorry for yourself or attack it and we know tony is almost psychotic about competition he kind of decided he was going after cancer and right after that, he was back in town. You know, he had lost some of his hair, and it was white, and he looked, you know, like he'd been through chemo. But I love the fact he came on the show and felt comfortable talking about that. I texted him the other day when Bobby Knight died because uh, they were extremely yeah, close. Absolutely. So I think mostly, again, March would probably say there was a time Martin was not one of my favorites. And there's still a little awkwardness, I think, because he feels, I think he feels like I burned him a little bit. And I, I was kind of an ass. I mean, I, I was trying to be funny. And every once in a while, you get burned. I remember Steven Jackson stopped me during a training camp and he said, Hey, I was watching you last night and I didn't think that was that funny. And I was, what did I say? This is always dangerous. And I think we had a clip where he said, Hey, this year I'm going to rush for 2000 yards or something extreme or whatever. And you know, good for him. And I think we came out of it and I said, good luck with that. Oh. And and I wasn't, I didn't even mean to be, yeah. he d- he took it wrong. And I said, Stephen, I said, you're a lot like me. And I said, we both talk too much and we, Try to be, you know, fun or interesting. And then sometimes, and I go, if I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. And I said, go do it or whatever. And then they went one in 15 or whatever. But um, mostly, other than offending people at times and trying too hard, if the joke, sometimes you got to cross the line and you can burn people. But I think to your main point, it is about relationships. And I would say my best example is Marshall Falk, who is a tough Mm -hmm. nut to crack. He did really like dealing with the media. I got paired with him because the station I had just been named sports director and they hired him to do Sunday night TV. Yes. They had just won the Super Bowl and I I said to my bosses I said he's not real friendly. I said I but they said he agreed to do it and so on Sunday nights he would come into the station and he'd get there 2 minutes before the show. Sometimes he walked in during the beginning of the show and be, and I thought to myself and I was just promoted to replace pete peterson who had been the main guy so i thought this is really uncomfortable nobody in town knows who i am they may be mad the other guy's not here and now they put me with a guy who's not going to play ball and marshall's a pro so he might sit down and the break and i be like hey how you doing fine hey a good game mm-hmm. mm-hmm but when the red light came on he was great yeah. broke down the game he's super smart interesting they were good segments he was good tv well by the end of the year we're in the breaks. Hey, Mark, man, don't ask me about this, but did you see that one? Like telling me stuff because he trusted me. It took a while. He's one of those guys you got. And at one point, I don't know where we were. I think he filled in in the spray. He did sport, nightly sports. I wish I was good at archiving because all this stuff would be interesting yeah. with the YouTube world now. Yeah. He did the sports at night. Like was hey, I'm Marshall with your nightly sports. The Blues I don't played. Remember it. that at all? It was like two or three nights, and I helped them produce. And I was in this room, and I'd say, "Here's what they're gonna do next." <laughs> It was a rating stunt, but he wanted to get better at TV. And so he did this. So this couple of the producers, Jarrett and Dave, did all this work, you know, editing and scripts and printed everything. And so at the end of a couple of nights, I said, you should really, you should take these guys out to dinner. You should. And he's like, why? I said, why? I said, because you're a millionaire and they busted their ass for you. And he's okay. Okay. So we all went to the Portabellas in Clayton. It was like a Wednesday night at 11. I think he called over to Del Pietro or somebody. Hey, man, I'm bringing a gang. Stay open or what? So about seven, eight of us, because I went in the newsroom and I said, Marshall said, if you guys want to go, there were news producers going, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> and we had a big table and he paid for it and drove awesome. his Ferrari and it was fun. But he said in front of the whole group there, he goes, man, you know what I like about Martin is he, uh, he never tries to like be your buddy and like buddy and hang out or call me to hang out. And I said, I don't, I said, I don't want to be your friend. And he goes, yes, you do. And I said, no, I don't. I go, I got lots of friends. And he goes, yeah, but deep down, you kind of want to hang out. And I go. No, I don't. I really, like, what are we going to do? We're not going to hang out. But he said, Martin's never burned me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And so, longest answer you'll ever get on Person of Interest, episode 492. Um, I think you're 63. Okay. But I I think the answer is, yeah, if they trust. That's the number one thing, you know. Strickland has a great podcast with Cam Jensen. And I'm not a big hockey aficionado. Yeah. But they get these guys to say, not not outlandish things, but honest things. Yeah criticisms or whatever it is because they have a good rapport. They make people feel comfortable. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I, I'll tell you another podcast and TV guys, radio guys love to talk. You can't stop them. <laughs> no, but That's the beauty of it. Right. We're not up against a break. Take a break. Uh, during the pandemic, desperate for content on the TV side. Yeah. So there's no games going on. What do you do? And as I look back, I kind of remembered this and that, but I was trying to come up with this interview segments via zoom of course and i got ozzy and willie ozzy smith willie mcgee to do one together because i said willie on his own won't do it but i said and the two of them were funny and we had the triple box thing going and ozzy starts making fun of Willie. it was great tv and it worked because of that so then i was like well what's the next who could i pair together so i texted bob costas and i said i have this idea because you and Dan Dierdorf were paired on sports radio. Dan was still playing for the football Cardinals. Bob was a young sportos, And they put him on Sports Open Line on yeah. X. And it took off. It was popular. And, yeah, and it was a thing. And then Bob goes to network TV. Dan goes to network TV. But it launched, I think, both of them. So I said, I've got this idea. I'll have the two of you together. And we'll just solely talk about how that worked and what you guys liked about it. And Bob wrote me back, and he said, Martin, I really like you, and I love Dan, and I have no interest in this stuff." <laughs> and I said, okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, Bob is a total pro, though. Yeah. About a week or two later, he calls me. He said, I want to let you know by way of full explanation, because he's always, his diction's perfect, his delivery's perfect, this is just a phone call. And he sounds so professional, I said, your pal Kusumano has gotten to me for this Michael Jordan documentary, whatever the, I forget the last name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he said, I've agreed to do an interview because I was on the call for that game in Utah. And he said, I didn't want you to think I was blowing you off. And I said, oh, I said, Bob, I said, trust me, I'm a sports guy during COVID. I said, I'm throwing a million things. I go, you were just one of 10 to dust me off. <laughs> So then about a year later, I said, Bob, I got another one because he likes specific angles in, in, And it's a great point for everybody, because he said, I don't want to just have the Tulsa sports guy or Des Moines sports call and say, hey, Bob, remember that time at Syracuse? Remember that one time? And he's like, is this the Wikipedia interview where you go from start to finish? So it's a great point. And I said, I want to do one on the art of the interview, because he had an interview show that he loved called Later. I think Bob's a really good interview, among many things. So I said, I just want to talk specifically about interview styles. Mike Wallace is going to grill you. And you know that when you sit down in 60 minutes, famously, he would go after people. I said, Letterman would get stuff out of people, but he wasn't a great interview. He was having conversation, right? So we did a podcast and I'm proud of it. If you go listen now, it would still be interesting. And he texted after he said, so that was really fun, really enjoyable because we got into what does it mean to be a good interviewer? And I said, you know, Howard Stern gets people to open up in his own way, very different styles. So we, in the course of that segment, Bob tells a funny story because he's hosting the NBA finals in Chicago, and Jack Nicholson showed up. And I think I asked him on his later show, is there anybody you couldn't get? Because he had big gas. It was late at night, but uh, he was well-respected, and they would get big names to come to New York. And it, I think Jack Nicholson doesn't do TV. If you think about it, you've hmm. never seen him Good point. on The Tonight Show. You've never seen He, he thinks it's beneath <laughs> him as a Hollywood star. It's interesting. So now Bob says, I know all of this, but my producer at the NBA final says, Nicholson's at the game in the United Center or Chicago stadium, wherever it was with the Bulls. And they said, see if he'll do a halftime hit. And Bob said, are you kidding me? And I felt good knowing we all get asked to do things by our bosses we don't want to do. (laughs) And like, if Bob had to go do something that he didn't want to do, I feel better. So he said, I walk up, I get to Jack Nicholson. This is probably in late nineties or something. And he said, I tap him on the shoulder. He said, and Nicholson turns around and says, Bobby, how are you? And he said, Jack, I know this is a fool's errand, but is there any chance you'd want to join us? And he said, Bobby, you seem like a good kid. You do a nice job. You tell those people, no. (laughs) It was was a hilarious story. I never heard Bob use the F word either, but it was just repeating what Nicholson had said. And it was just so much fun because that was the course of a 20, 30 minute interview. Yeah. We're just talking like you and I are. Yeah. And people, we're finding out, I think people crave that. Yes, I agree. I agree. That's what's led me to do mine, which started
1: just as an, you know, people who learning about people, what they do and why they do it. And it turning into inspiring others of, oh, well, that's it. Like they're human. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Just, you're humanizing people.
0: Well, person of interest, could be you know the the teacher you had in fourth grade right it could be the guy that you see every day at the delicatessen who runs it he's been here for 50 years sometimes the biggest names are the worst guests right and you'll you'll spend all your time trying to book the biggest name and then they're kind of a dud and you're like you know who's really interesting was my neighbor who i didn't know had been in vietnam or whatever yeah you could and rich gould on his sunday night sports show I would, uh, we worked together for many years and I would say, Rich, who do you got this week? He's like, Well, I was trying to do something on the blues and they never called me back. And But I would have my neighbor on. And I'm like, Okay. And he like, Well, you know why? Because my neighbor is the best damn fisherman you'd ever heard talking about. Okay. And he would have fun with whoever yeah. he brought on the show. Yeah. And subsequently, I've had Rich on my radio show a bunch too, just to tell stories. Yeah, well, Rich, he's, he's, he's one of my favorites. Storyteller and. Yeah laid back, he's writing children's books and country music songs. And I knew I, the
1: I, country music. I didn't he's, know
0: that no, books. he's he's written some children's books. He's trying to get, he's 100% serious about it too. All I right. know it sounds like a bit, but it's not. So he is a person of interest. All right. All right. And he like, loves the Valley. Yeah, I did know but that he too. He used to live in Branson. He did a reverse Beverly Hillbillies. He grew up in like <laughs> Orange County, California. He was going to Angels yeah. games when he was a kid. And then his family moved to the boot heel or to the Branson area as a kid. Don't hear about it going that way often. Mm. Um, I got two more things for you if I let you go. So This is impressive. You don't have a list, but you know no, you have two
1: more things. I, well, for a it, number of reasons. The, <laughs> the two-pound carrot cake. I just know things I want
0: to. I just want to pick your brain about. Yeah. Um, We're just, live at the MAC, by yes, the way, the Missouri are. Athletic Club, if you hear a little... Plattering in the back, and
1: I think I'm setting you up with Danny. Man, I listened to great talk, and I know you guys are doing
0: a remote the next time you do. We're great talking talk. about that. Well, Dan so, comes is this here. A test drive. Oh, that's a good point. No, I've I've recorded a lot of interviews here because there's a number of different little nooks and okay. crannies where you can just kind of sit and and they won't bother you. You know, we're not we're not in a formal studio here. We're right. drinking coffee at the yeah. MAC. Yeah. Um. So,
1: I am curious. I know that um, Steve Savard. Mike Bush, they've all made that switch from the sports guy to the news guy and still doing it. Um I don't I know you're pretty much I don't think you're looking to do that. I don't no, think you have any interest no. doing that. Yeah. But I'm curious to know um uh, why stick in St. Louis? I feel like you've probably had opportunities to do other things in other locations. I don't know. I know you've you know you got roots here. Um, outside of the Marquette ties and the Wisconsin ties, but...
0: Have I mentioned Marquette in this show? You I haven't. haven't. No, you and haven't. they are top five,
1: baby. Yeah, but why St. Louis for so long? Just because it's home?
0: Yeah, well, I would say I wasn't pursuing other opportunities, and candidly, they weren't calling either, so... well, that, that I think, you know, on. when you... Like in TV, and now it's changed because you can get to a, quote, big market much quicker. It used to be you, you would go to a really small okay. town... Then you'd go to hopefully a medium-sized town. And then if you were lucky, you got to a, quote, bigger market. So I worked in Flagstaff, Arizona, then Rhinelander, Wisconsin, both small markets. And then I worked in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a good medium-sized market. And my goal was if I could get to St. Louis. So I really, that was a big thing for me. After I'd been here a couple of years, I got an email, I forget, or maybe it was a letter. I forget what level of communication. When I say I got a text, maybe it was an email. From the Golf Channel and said, "Hey, can you send us a tape or whatever?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to the Golf Channel, you know." And then it didn't go anywhere. But I never pursued anything, and yeah, you know, I don't know that there would have been opportunity. I wasn't yeah. trying to be the main sports guy in Chicago or New York, okay. although those would be great jobs. I don't. I, there's one summer where I was offered to go to Fox Midwest. They remember they were based in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but I was young, single, and I was like, "Hey, I don't care. I'll do that." It's a really long story, but it it Fox too wouldn't allow it. And I was really mad because I was, like, third or fourth on the totem pole at the time. And I was like, listen, this is a great opportunity. I don't care if I move to Pittsburgh. Everybody will see me in St. Louis. Uh, but that's about the only time, I think, that I almost, quote, left. And at this point, you know, I'm pretty rooted here, family, of course. A lot of my cousins and, you know, mom's here. My sister moved from Canada because... Her family was all up in Toronto, and then I had a kid. And she's like, "Okay, Martin's got roots and family. We're going to move there." Really? So everybody's here, and it, it's it's the perfect size because you have all the sports yeah. you want, but you also have you know the TV. Everybody makes fun of local TV, and it's an easy thing to do, but it really is something that I think still kind of connects the town. Like just think two, four, five. Just say they like, don't they don't exist. You just have all streaming. Well, when you wake up in the morning, you kind of want to know, not just the weather, but like, is 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 the arch falling over? Is there a big fire over in Illinois? I see smoke. Does anybody know anything about it? And I realize people are getting their information in all different places now. I still think it has value. And I think especially on the sports side, if you go to a market like L.A., and we've seen this with the Rams. I mean, they have a hard time drawing a steady crowd in yeah. a population of 20, 30 million people, whereas in this town, they do care about the blues. You know, my mom's asking about Roman Berkey. I'm like, that's the goalie, Mom, for CDSE. Holy <laughs> smokes. You know, where I think they still want to get their swords from people that sure. they know or count on. And as far as going to news, and I joked with my boss, Spencer, Spencer Koch, was the GM for a long time at Fox 2. And we were all in a group meeting one time. And I think Savard had maybe just made the move. And he said, Spencer said, boy, it's a, it's a lot of folks have done this. Rennie not moved over morning news and then Samar and Bush and Spencer said have you thought about that Martin have you ever has it ever crossed your mind and I said Ooh, well I don't know I don't know if I'd have enough credibility and he goes yeah you're probably right and I was like hey you're supposed to fight me on that point a little bit I just think my sarcast, it just wouldn't work I'd have a hard time playing it straight yeah and I, I just don't think that would. I don't think it would work for me. Bit and comfort is a thing. So yeah, I don't think it would one. work for me. So why did I never leave? Because I was never off offered anything. So that's the short answer. You know, I'll take it. I'll but take I, it. I, I people have been great, and nobody likes everything you do. There's plenty of people. You know, my sister always. My sister is married, but uses her the Kilcoin name as well as her married name. And she said, every once in a while, people say, oh, are you related? It's such a weird name. You know, unless you're in Ireland, it's uncommon. And they'll say, are you related to Martin? And I always tell her, ask them why first. (laughs) My wife, if they say that, you go, why? Make sure that they don't hate me. But people have been largely supportive. And yeah, it's fun. If you grew up watching Cardinals and Mizzou games and all that, then it's, you know, I I covered Coconino East and Flagstaff at the big game and Sonawa East and, Flagstaff High, and like all great teams and great gift, I knew nothing about the history or the greatest player. You know, you do these jobs in these other yeah. markets, and I could tell you a little bit about Rhinelander Hodag sports history, but not that much. So you cover it and you get into it that one season or the two years you work there, but you don't have any depth of knowledge like you do in St. Louis, yeah. you know? And so that I think that also comes in handy, you know, when. The station, you know, Don Johnson was a great newsman in St. Louis and he passed away last week. The station called, I was off work and they said, Hey, we really want to get Costas on because he and Don Johnson did Spirits basketball on the radio for two years, which was kind of a little known fact. So I reached out and Bob's like, I would love to say a few words about Don. You know, so I'm I'm pretty connected to most anybody I would say. And I always say if if I don't know somebody, I know somebody who does, I can usually get to the right person. Um. So I think it's it's a comfort level at this point. But what Tony would say, don't be comfortable. Don't be comfortable. <laughs> Can't be. Albert never comfortable. <laughs> he would. He went. Tony. I heard he was sick. I texted him and said, Hey, I I hope you're okay. Or what? I didn't know much. You know? And he said, Mending, better. And I'm like, That's how he t- he texts. Like he talks. He said, Mending, better. better. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. He's, he's exactly the same. Yeah. I'll give you one more Tony, just because. I've had so many segments and things with him. Well, I can tell you two things, because I don't think I made this point properly earlier, is that despite how he came off on TV and people thought he was a stiff or he was a jerk or a really loyal guy, uh-huh. and if he liked you, he liked you, but he was also fair. Like, if he got mad at me or Derek Gould or anybody, the next day, he treated you fine. He didn't. The, the, he really did turn the page. The next, He believed in that. So if he, like, screamed at you the next day, everything was fine. But it was Red Shandy's 90th birthday down at Mike Shannon's. We were lucky enough to be invited. So my mom and my wife go. My mom's like, oh, I really want to meet Tony. That's all she wanted. So we're there at the party. It turns out that was the night Stan passed away. And so the, the people the people in the know, I didn't know at that moment. It kind of cut into some of the celebratory stuff. And so I texted Larusa and I said, hey, where are you? My mom wanted to meet you. He goes, you didn't want to see me? I'm like, no, my mom was... So he said, well, at Cafe Napoli, come on over. And I said, oh, okay, no no worries, we're good, but thank you anyway. And he, I, I don't remember if he was a call or a text. And some of these stories, I get that part mixed up, but I remember 100%, whether it was text or call, he said, did I stutter? You're invited. Like, cause I was like, it's not my place. Like, yeah. not, to my point with Marshall, like, I don't wanna hang out. He said, did I stutter? So I said, guys wanna go to Cafe Napoli? <laughs> and we walk in, LaRouche is at a table, and Izzy is sitting there. Edmonds is sitting there. And they've got some bottles of wine. The stories are flying. And over the corner, Jeff Fisher, who I knew because he was coaching the Rams, is interviewing Rob Ryan to be the defensive coordinator. I said, this is an I wish wow. jerry Berger were alive. This is unbelievable. And whatever the wine was, I'm not a connoisseur. My wife said, this is the best wine I've ever tasted in my life. So it was a, on a social setting. Yeah. He wanted to include us. Um, and I was trying to think of the other story. Oh, what making fun of him a little bit. After they won the 06 World Series, we're in there two days later. Players are cleaning out their locker room. I'm waiting for an end-of-season interview. But he's in his office holding court with Strauss and Bernie. Oh, he loves sitting there talking to the writers for hours. I just kept sticking my head in there. I just kept saying, he goes, you looking for me? You want to do something? I said, I got it. My photographer's got to go. And he's said, okay, we'll do it now. But you got to do your impression of me for my family, his wife and two. Wife and two daughters are standing there. And I said, I really don't want to do this. You want to do the interview? You don't want to do the interview? I was like, do I really? He goes, yeah. You think it's so damn funny? Let's see it. So He's now, holding you hostage. And they're all sitting there, including <laughs> do the his the interview. Friend. So I said, you know, tied for first. They Yeah, a real tough club over there. You know, whatever. And his wife says, Explode. he says the same shit at home. No, she's laughing. And he, and he goes, okay. And passed. And I, oh, we man. went to the interview. So I think that the That's fact fantastic. that he has a sense of humor that That's people great. don't realize. And, uh, even in very recent, I did that interview, uh, where he talked about his cancer and he was coming back. And then I saw him that weekend, there was a dinner for people that are on the hall of fame ballot, the Cardinals hall of fame committee, whatever. He calls me over to his table. He goes, Hey, that interview you did, there was a hot mic. And I said, what? Yeah. Man, you thought we were done. It kept going. It kept recording. 'Cause I sent him the audio. He asked for the audio. I said, What are you talking about? He said, Yeah, it's just you you said goodbye, but then you called me a piece of shit. And I said, What? And now I'm freaked out for like a minute. Like, did I and I and then I realized he's messing with me. Oh. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I said, You weren't supposed to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of it. So there's always a bit or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. he should He, he should have done morning radio. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. Last thing before I let you
1: go. <laughs> thank you for doing this so much, but you're going to um, run out of tape as in the old days. Right, I right. Um, I think one more—I don't know if many people know this. I do. Valley guys. Used to work for the Valley, um, Missouri State, so I still Arch Madness, the whole thing. But I don't know if this is far your 550 duties, but you also do play-by-play for, for Arch Madness games. I know you did some stuff. I had with the chance the, Rams the last couple of years, yeah. Is is play-by-play something that you've been wanting to do, and, and how has that been? Do you like it? Because that's a little different ball game of preparation and,
0: and things like that, but— I mean, you, you seem pretty comfortable when they're doing play-by-play. Well, it's every I think every TV guy, if you watch the sports guy in Chicago or the sports lady in New York or L.A. or Des Moines, or, I guarantee they're all frustrated play-by-play people They wanted to do play-by-play, yeah. that they think they can do play-by-play, because everybody wants to be the voice of the team. Sure. Yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, Jack Buck was on the radio. Yeah. And I wanted to be Jack Buck, like every everybody did <laughs> in so many different ways. Uh, so I've had the chance here and there, Rams preseason, mm-hmm. tons of fun. Uh, but that was hard because I, I actually, because Joe Bach is gracious and he helped me with like my notes and preparation, mm-hmm. the, the boards, like how you put them together. And he said, it's impossible to do preseason football. I was like, Wait, well, thanks, Joe. I'm going to give it my best. He said, well, no. He said, they're going to play the sixth and seventh yeah. and eighth wide receiver on the team that you've never heard of. He said, You're going to study all week and have all these great notes about Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. He goes, They won't be on the field. He goes, They'll be in khakis. Like, they won't even be on the field. And it was so true. I had so many notes prepare about, you know, Marshall Falk or Mark Bolger or whatever the team. Had, and you didn't need any of that stuff. Right. So I got to do that for a couple of years, and that was fun. I liked doing it. It's a different kind of adrenaline rush, yeah. too. Uh, being in there, the 550, it's been great the last few years. I've done a couple of games. I would say I'm okay at it. You know, TV and radio are different. i have Danny Mack, and I have... Because Dan is so good at play-by-play. Peace. And I joked with him. I filled in for him one year on the Missouri State high school games with Scott Highmark. And, you know, we're on the headset, and I think it was even Poplar Bluff and Tyler Hansborough. It was, it was a big-time matchup. But I'm saying, ball swings the left side over to the right and the wing of the four... And the, the producer goes... they can can see see all this so you have to remember radio versus tv but it's fun to do it i think i'm okay at that i would say whatever the setting i'm comfortable like i I don't freak out but i'm better at some stuff than others and play by play i'd say i'm i'm okay yeah well i enjoy it
1: like i said i know it's not your uh full-time thing but as a familiar voice but to hear somebody it's fun, and it I love the stuff, Valley. Yeah. And it's
0: such a great St. Louis weekend and experience, and 550's done a great job kind of embracing that. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who've made it this far in, we'll be sending out gift cards, uh, but also <laughs> 550 KTRS, 6 to 7 p.m. on a nightly basis. And just by way of example, when we're taping this, tonight's show, Ross Schaeffitz, who his dad mm-hmm. is Dr. Yep. Chaffetz, they have a pickleball team in St. Louis that I, he's always like, you got to cover some. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. He's on the show. We'll talk about a gazillion different nice. things. There was talk that the Chaffetz might bring an NBA team at some point. I don't know that that'll ever happen, but we'll go in a lot of different directions. And then my other guest tonight is Jack Jackson, who is a colonel in Vietnam. He's a St. Louis guy. He ended up, I think he was a state senator. He may have had a show at KTRS, which doesn't limit the field. There was a lot of people that did that. Uh, but we're talking about his Vietnam experience and the importance of the U.S. military in this current world because there's so much drama around yeah. the globe. So that's my goal on a nightly basis to kind of go in a lot of different directions. And later in the week, Big Walt, of course, for some nonsense. Nice. And yeah. scoops, Danny MacTube? Scoops, well, we do great talk. That's every Monday. We have gotten a lot of good feedback off of that. I love and great talk. It's, it's we, one of my go-to. We, we kind of harass each other. I do try okay. and have topics, but we I have more fun I mean, I, again, we don't really need to break down right. the Mizzou-Georgia game. I'd rather hear Dan do his John Miller imitation, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, we have fun with that. So great talk. A lot of the, any of these, the Tony talks, all that stuff lives on. Spotify, iTunes, and those Larusa segments, I think mostly still have value because there are a lot of deep dives into when Albert first arrived, yeah. when McGuire had his home run race. And so feel free to... Peruse the Kill Coin catalog, although this was, this should be fill you up for a while. Yeah. And, and Martin's pretty active on the social media. So
1: uh, even responds to the uh, the unruly fan every once in a while that's got a, a,
0: a smart-ass comment. Here. Yeah. Well, I, what I, I if it's in fun, I'll respond. I've always said this, like if somebody like has an opinion, like they hated that segment or hated me or thought it was stupid or I don't argue their opinion. But if somebody factually is wrong, like, hey, you said Molina was going to be the manager next year, I will correct and say, I didn't say that. Like, if they get facts wrong, I will chime in. But for the most part, I try not to yeah. weigh in, especially in opinion. If somebody says that was stupid, I'm not going to convince them otherwise. Or they say, you're an idiot. I'm not going to convince them otherwise. So as long as they get the facts right, I'm good. is Molina going to be on the Cardinal staff? He, he What I reported from the outset is that he called the meeting with them. He met with them and said, I want to be on the staff. Everybody immediately said, Oh, he'll come to spring training. Oh, he doesn't want to do that. I'm What I'm telling you is he does want to do that. My understanding was he wanted to be the bench coach. Now, has said we're not changing the staff. He said that this week. So, But he said we'll be adding on. Is there such a thing as an assistant bench coach? I don't know. but I, I can I, do whatever I want. But I fully believe Molina will be in the dugout yeah. next to Ollie all year, and people say, well, why would he want to do that? He's got all that money. I said, I'm not telling you why. I'm just telling you he wants to. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do If I were him, I wouldn't want to do it. But what we know about Molina, and I tried to convey this, he thinks it's like his job to pass along this knowledge. Like he thinks about baseball in a way most of us don't, that we would be on a yacht somewhere counting our money. Sure, He wants to do this. He wants to be a big league manager. And so there were some debates on there. People were like, oh, well, he's not going to do your. I'm telling you, he wants to do this. And the Cardinals are not in a position to say no, coming off a last place finish with a, Inexperienced manager. I like Ollie, but he's inexperienced. Right. And if you can add a guy next to him, and you got a qu- quiet clubhouse, that like, do you think if Tyler O'Neill has a tight back and is a late scratch in Philly on a Tuesday night, I think Yachty's going to go and say, "Hey, what's going on, pal? Are you you not not playing tonight? You play tomorrow?" Like I think they need yeah. that kind of edge. So it's my understanding he is going to be on the staff. I thought he'd be the bench coach, and I I, I realize that's unfair to Joe McEwen who had that job, but that was my understanding maybe it's shifted a little bit maybe he's the assist. I'd be shocked if he's not in a role on a daily basis all right I'm gonna end it right there that's a
1: good that's a good tidbit for me to close I've never had that kind of a, a newsy item okay on podcast, well so. I
0: hope it's true I hope this I hope this stays <laughs> evergreen years later all right I appreciate
1: this so thanks so much man This has uh, been great. I
0: love D bear it's always great to sit and talk with the great Derek
1: Duck Martin Kilcoy purses of interest thank you everybody for listening Thanks for listening to this episode of Persons of Interest. This podcast is a personal project with the goal of sharing stories that might inspire others to create their own path. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have a guest suggestion, you can reach Derek on social media at ddocket. Thank you for listening to Persons of Interest.